On Christmas morning when I was a boy, my siblings and I would wake up crazy early in the morning and huddle at the top of the steps. This was our gathering point full of excitement and anticipation of what was at the bottom of the steps. We waited. We couldn't see what was at the bottom because in the middle of the night, my parents had hung a sheet separating the top of the steps and our living room below where our presence awaited. And so we waited patiently until my dad put on a very specific Christmas song. And upon hearing it, our hearts would begin to race. And then my mom would come up and take our annual Christmas steps photo. And then for my parents to slowly take down the sheet. And then for my siblings and I to rush and tumble over each other down the steps to our presence below. You may have similar stories, stories of Christmas morning. These might be very recent or they might be some time ago. Stories that fill your heart with joy. Or this story may be completely foreign. And instead of stories of joy, you have stories of unmet desires and expectations. And even now, as we talk about them, they produce frustration and pain. I think all of us have felt that way at some point over these past two years. We kept waiting, waiting for someone to take down this sheet, but no one ever comes. And so our hope, our expectations, our anticipation begins to fade and fade away. Or we might be at the top of the steps. You today might be at the top of the steps in your life. And when someone, something came to take down the sheet and revealed what was next, revealed what was below, it looked nothing like you were hoping, nothing like you desired, nothing that you were praying for, nothing that you were waiting for. And so right now, even now, you're not sure if you should take another step because you're hurt and you're frustrated. As we enter the New Testament, the Jewish people were at the top of the steps. They were waiting. They were waiting expectantly for when it was their turn to once again come down and experience a fullness, a completeness that they'd been searching for now for centuries. But when it happened, when Christ came, when God took down the sheet and it was time to once again run down the steps, it looked nothing like they expected. Nothing like what they were waiting for. Nothing that they hoped for. Nothing that they were praying for. And their hopes and expectations were left unfilled. In fact, most of the conflict in the New Testament is because when God took down the curtain and revealed his plan, it was with, at odds with everything God's people had been praying for. And so God's revealing plan, his promised salvation, left his people feeling lacking, feeling cheated from their own established expectations. Yet there was one man, one man who saw it and got it. That man's name was Simeon. It's a brief story that we often gloss over. And I believe 
that we can actually use the story of Simeon to teach how to have God-sized expectations, big hopes, big dreams, but also a holy openness to have eyes to see what God sees and hearts that move in his direction. Where we pick up today is right after the Christmas story. Mary and Joseph are traveling six miles south from Bethlehem to Jerusalem to present their firstborn son, Jesus, at the temple as the law required. And it's here in the temple courts where we meet Simeon. Pick up in Luke 2, verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. And Mary treasured all of these things in her heart. No, Mary's like, dude, where my shepherds at? Simeon is revealing God's plan, and it looks nothing like they had hoped, nothing like his people had thought or imagined. This passage in Luke 2 is all about fulfillment. Fulfillment. There's a relationship between expectations and fulfillment. Fulfilled means you are totally satisfied. You can't kind of be fulfilled. When you are fulfilled, you are lacking nothing. You have all that you can handle, all that you desire. This passage in Luke 2, the Christmas story is all about the fulfillment of God's plan for salvation. In the birth of Jesus, the fulfillment of the law and prophets, Mary and Joseph take the baby Jesus to the, law, to the temple to fulfill what the law required. And at meeting Simeon, Simeon's life and promise is fulfilled by meeting the child. At first, Simeon rejoices and praises God, but then he offers a blessing that was sure to leave many wondering how this child was indeed the consolation of Israel. The consolation of Israel is the redeeming and the restoring of a people group. The redeeming, the healing of a land, of God's promised people. A new kingdom, a kingdom of Israel, a new David, a new king, reclaiming freedom, reclaiming power, 
reclaiming political liberation, a healing that brings the tribes of Israel's back together, healing and restoring God's people. And these were likely Simeon's hopes, his desires, the consolation of Israel, healing of God's chosen people, and these hopes were good. But the details that God's people had put on his plans were all wrong. But here's the most important thing. For Simeon, his people's expectations, his people's desires didn't get in the way of him seeing God's actual answer. Simeon, just imagine for a moment that you're Simeon. Consolation, big hopes, big dreams, a new king. You're walking into the court, the temple court, and you look at this small and humble child. And you saw it. You saw it. This is God's plan. And you saw it. You believed it. You held Jesus and couldn't do but anything but offer praise and worship. Simeon saw it. It looked different than his people thought it would. He saw it because Simeon knew God. Simeon knew God. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. You want to know God's plan? You got to get to know God. Have you ever received a present or a note from somebody? that didn't have a sender. And so, so you opened it up, you unpackaged it, you unwrapped it, you looked at it, you held it in your hand or you read it. And you thought about who thought this way about you? Who would give this to you? Who would deliver this to you? And you think, you wanna know God's plan? You gotta get to know God's voice. You got to get to know God so that when you received a gift, when you receive an answer, you can recognize the sender. When God's opening a door or closing a door, you can recognize the deliverer. So think right now, if you received an answer to a prayer or if you received a direction from God, would you recognize the answer from God even if it was something different than what you were hoping for, different from what you were praying for, different from what you were waiting for. And this is critical because God is in the business of delivering the unexpected. God is in the business of delivering the unexpected. All throughout the Bible, God delivers the unexpected. Are you praying for? Are you open to an unexpected work of God in your life? You know, Simeon is really the first person in the New Testament to do what God is asking him to do without an angel showing up. I mean, really think about it. Zachariah, Mary, Joseph, shepherds. I mean, for Joseph and Mary, it really required an angel. Um, but my hope here is that we're not 
waiting for an angel. We're not waiting and going to miss God's plan in our lives because we're waiting for this amazing sign. Stop waiting for an angel. Instead, get to know God. Get to know his voice. Seek the Lord and he will make your path straight. Simeon had the same Holy Spirit that we have dwelling in us. And we have the finished work of Christ and the Bible. So stop waiting for an angel and get to know his voice. But to get to know God, you first have to believe that God is worth knowing. Our first habit at Browncroft is spend time with God. And it's first for a reason, because everything flows out of this habit. Know God and be known by him. Simeon was just a normal dude. Wasn't a priest, likely had a day job, yet he knew God. He communed with the Holy Spirit and spoke with wisdom, and yet he held on to a promise that God had given him, yet he had not received. And so that day, when the Holy Spirit told him to go into the temple courts and Simeon walked into the temple, he saw and he was fulfilled. He's really like the only one in the story who's not surprised. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation. But what Simeon saw in the message that he was given by God looked and sounded very different from what his people were praying for. It sounded different than his people were expecting. So think for a moment. What do you do when your expectations don't match God's revealing plan? What do you do when your expectations don't match God's revealing plan? Simeon was able to praise God because he knew God and he trusted God. Simeon trusted God. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but we, we Americans, we have trust issues, like real trust issues. Like we make up reasons to doubt things when they go against what we wanna hear. We say things like the polls are skewed, the science is wrong, the news is fake. We wanna wait for more details. We wanna wait for the whole story. And now, even now, uh, we have even more reasons sometimes to doubt when we get fed things through algorithms that say the things that we wanna hear or what someone else wants us to think or believe. And so really, sometimes, sometimes we really have reasons to doubt. I taught a leadership class to some of our staff this past month, and one of the things that we discussed was the characteristics of trust, about being worthy of trust, about creating a climate of trust, about building trust, because trust is the central issue of all relationships. Simeon trusted God. When we say God is faithful, God is trustworthy, God is our north star, God's word is our firm foundation, God's character is never shaken, God is worth trusting. And when things don't match up, we trust, we believe. When our expectations are different from what God delivers, 
we realign our expectations. My family and I, we have two cars. We have our first car is our adult car. It's our commuter car where really only adults occupy it. And this is kind of like Marissa and my sanity because our kid car, our family car, is what we use to haul our crew all over Western New York and beyond. Our kid car smells of old French fries, applesauce, and shin guards. And a bit ago, we were driving back from one of our treks, and I noticed our car was pulling slightly to the right, pulling slightly to the right, just enough to be annoying, so that I was always having to fight it to pull it back so it would go straight, go in the direction that I wanted it to. And I was thinking about how this was affecting my driving, always fighting it and what it was doing to my attention. And so you know what I did? I had the tires rotated and the wheels aligned. Aligned to go in the direction I needed it to go so that I could stop fighting it. Because of God's trustworthiness, we realign our hearts. We realign our expectations to be ready to receive God's direction. How often do we say, Jesus, take the wheel, yet we just start steering right away, start moving, start pulling in the direction that we wanted to go. And the Jewish people in Simeon's day kept their hands on the steering wheel, pulling, pulling off the course that God had prepared and in turn missed the destination that God had already prepared and was calling them to, but not Simeon. Not Simeon. Simeon saw God's promised king. It looked different, likely, than he'd been taught. It looked different than the hopes and the expectations of his people. What did Simeon see? He saw a poor family with little to offer. He saw the end of himself, a light to the Gentiles, the rise and fall of many of his own people, the piercing of souls, the revealing of thoughts in our hearts, the desire for political liberation being left unmet. But he also saw the salvation being prepared for all people. He saw a new kind of deliverance, and Simeon trusted that this child was the Savior of the world, the one the prophets like Isaiah told about. And he saw it, and he knew it, because he knew God, and he counted God is trustworthy. When something doesn't match in your life, do you find yourself trying to realign your God to match your heart's desires? Or do you work and pray for God to realign your heart, your desires to match his? The longer Israel waited for consolation, the more refined their expectations, the more they trusted themselves, the more they aligned their expectations of God to match their own. They misunderstood their true need and therefore wrongly imagined the nature of God's Messiah. And then when God provided what they truly needed, they missed it. They missed it. Many of them stuck in their own established expectations. They were resistant to alignment 
but not Simeon. Simeon aligned his expectations with God. Simeon aligned his expectations with God. Simeon held his expectations under the authority of God. Church, I want you to listen to that. Simeon held his expectations under the authority of God. Do your expectations answer to God or does God answer to your expectations? Do your expectations answer to God or does God answer to your expectations? If you are going to try to make God answer to your expectations, you are going to spend your entire life fighting it, fighting it because God won't do that because he sees your deepest need. He knows you. He cares for you and he loves you. Expectations are the calls for tremendous joy when they're filled. But if our expectations are not under the authority of God, they can become the biggest obstacle for God doing what he wants to do in your life and through your life. When Simeon saw Jesus, he saw God's plan and he got it. It didn't match the expectations of his people. He knew it was better. He knew it was bigger. But believing it would require bravery. Believing it would require trust. Believing it would require a realignment. If your expectations are built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, they'll move to the direction at which he changes. They'll move to what God reveals. And honestly, sometimes even good expectations, good expectations can be out of line with what God delivers and what we truly need. I mean, we have moments in our lives that didn't come close to our expectations. We wanted a king and received an infant. And really the same happens in our lives every day. We thought God's plan for our life was supposed to look different. We thought we were supposed to have a family by now or have kids or grandkids. We thought we were supposed to be making more money or have a job that brought us more joy. We thought that our kids would listen to us more. We thought we'd be able to live without pain. We thought we'd be able to grow old together. We thought the pandemic would be over in 10 weeks. We thought, we thought, we thought, but it isn't. It isn't. And so we're left with a question. Do you believe God's plan is better? Do you believe God's plan is better than your own? Do you believe that God is sovereign and working all things out for the good of those who love him? Do you believe God's plan is better in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your heartache, in the midst of your circumstance? Do you believe and trust that God is near? Do you believe that God's plan is better? Church, I can say yes. I can say yes. God's plan is better. And that's not an easy yes. I can say yes, that God is faithful, that God is trustworthy, that God's plan is better. And I'm ready. 
I'm open to have my expectations, my desires aligned to come under his authority and his love and his care. How about you? As we enter this next year, are you ready to have your expectations realigned by God? Are you open to a new work, an unexpected work, to have your eyes and your hearts opened and ready to receive a new direction? It's worth it. It's worth it. So let us learn from Simeon and start by seeking to know God because God is worth knowing and trusting in his unfailing word because God is worth trusting and then letting his word and the experience of living with him and living for him align our hopes and our expectations so that you can live with eyes of faith and live in the fullness of God. I pray now out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your innermost being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. Amen.